This is the GPL Podcast, sponsored by Vintage Minnesota Hockey, your exclusive source for throwback Minnesota jerseys. Visit VintageMNHockey.com. Now, here's Hammy, Vigo, and your host, Jupiter. Good evening and welcome to the special Tuesday edition of the GPL Podcast. Sorry, it's my wife's birthday tomorrow. There's no way I'm doing the podcast tomorrow night. It's just good for my own health, really. Well, boys, before we get to the big elephant in the room with the news of the day, uh, last this past uh, couple weeks ago, the Gophers had a ugly split. With Mankato. I call it ugly because it was going great for so long, and then it had an ugly ending, Hammy. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of unfortunate. They had played pretty much, uh, you know, what, about 90% of the series with the way that you would kind of want them to. That they played real well, and then all of a sudden it just kind of collapsed on them, at, you know, late in that second game. And, um, you know, I think that they kind of – I listened to some of Lucia's show, and I just – I think some of that's just that we have guys that are playing in roles that were – last year we had veterans that were playing in some of those late-game roles, and now all those guys are gone, and some of these new guys have to kind of step into these roles. And, um, you know, sometimes it's an adjustment period, and it just kind of caught them on that night. Viggs, a 4-0 shutout Friday night in Mankato. Team looked good, you know, Camerata scored, Letary scored, you know. The team looked pretty good defensively, shut them down pretty good. Come back to Mariucci Saturday night, up 2-0 most of the game, and then just collapse. Let's see, what's your summary of the weekend? Well, I think anytime you have a collapse at the end of the game, it's it's concerning. But I think it's also something to be accept, expected with such a young team, I there's so many guys who have not played in these kind of roles in a competitive Division One hockey environment. Uh, Lucia talked about guys going through this in junior, uh, in high school, but but when you are playing against a Division One hockey team, it's a completely different animal. Uh, when they picked up the pace and picked up the pressure, all of a sudden the Gophers didn't have you know two seconds to make a play; they had a half a second, and that really showed it early in the series. You know, they had plenty of time to be patient, make smart plays. But in those last couple minutes, um, and Kano answered the bell, and, and Minnesota just could not respond. And I think it's because they're so, so young. Well, let me tell you, I thought it was pretty ugly. I'm thinking we're going to get through the weekend with a shutout, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they get on the board, they get the tying goal, and win it in overtime. Hammy, obviously, you were you as disappointed as I was because, you know, it was looking up, you know, it was looking like a shutout weekend. Well, of course it's disappointing. I mean, when you're essentially five minutes from a sweep and, you know, you're pitching the shutout for the entire series and all of a sudden you end up losing an OT. I don't know anybody that's not going to be disappointed by that kind of an outcome. Um, you know, I, we're not into kind of moral victories here. So, I mean, not in this program. So, I mean, it's not like we're going to be. Not like the football fans. team or the basketball yeah, team. Well, right. Or just in general, you know, I mean, we expect results. And so, I mean, I'm not going to like try to say that I'm going to pull anything positive out of it. But, uh, um, you know, from the series itself, I was glad to see that they played better. I mean, Mankato obviously isn't quite the same as what they were in, you know, last year, for instance. But uh, it's still, you know, relatively quality team and uh, to be able to be pitching a shutout for the vast majority of the weekend I mean it's 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 nice but at the end of the day it's still a split well Hammy there were some positives like I said Camerata scored a goal and so did Letary well we've been talking about how those guys really needed to start doing something like they were kind of you know a little bit of a Gonna be kind of telltale sign of how, where this team could go because um, you know we've seen the top two lines kind of do some good things, um, but that third line has really been kind of a black hole this year um, for the most part, and it was going to be very important for those guys to kind of step up and start contributing. and And I don't mean contributing with minuses and the plus minus; I mean something positive. So it was nice to see that those guys were, you know, did a little bit of something, and hopefully it's uh, something that we can count on moving forward. Did you have further thoughts on that, Viggs? I heard you. Chiming in there a little bit. 
Yeah, I just wanted to say that, you know, one of the things that that game revealed is that they're going to need more than five guys to finish a game. Yeah. Uh, because when the Brustet Novak fashion line was out there with um, Bischoff and Brodzinski, they were fine. They were able to, to gain, you know, in the neutral zone, get some time in the offensive zone, and relieve pressure. But any other group that they put out there just really, really struggled. And then in the overtime, you saw Nick Sealer get caught outside the dots trying yep. to play a body along the wall and just totally take himself out of the play and give Ankato uh, the three-on-one opportunity in overtime. Well, let me and tell so you. They're going to need to find five other guys to play in those last minutes of game. Teams pulling their goalies so early now, you can't just rely on five. Well, let me tell you, Viggs, uh, Lucia has said it for years. Get the three. Get that third goal. It's it's really important, and uh, boy, it sure was important Saturday night. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, they they had opportunities to get that third goal, and then you just kind of sensed a momentum shift in the oh, third yeah. period. All of a sudden, Minnesota State picked up their play, and uh, they just didn't have an answer to continue producing offense. Well, uh, boy, a split. Yippee skippy. I called both road teams winning, so. I'll 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 take that credit, but that's all. Hammy, I can hear you typing. Are you actually engaging, drunk hockey guy? I am, dude. Come on, I see him popping up here. I hear you typing away, and boom, there comes a tweet. Uh, if you people who haven't heard, a uh, little controversial news came out earlier today. Um, what is it? Adam Wodon at uh, was the College Hockey News. Had this nice little article that uh, talks about the Big Ten and maybe even Don Lucia himself is proposing an age uh, restrictions. Uh, here, I'll read right from his article. It says the legislation calls for lowering the age limit for incoming recruits from 21 to 20 years old, or more accurately, two years past the player's expected high school graduation date. Anyone enrolling in college after 20 years old would lose one year of eligibility for each year. Viggs, Hammy, I know you guys, uh, Hammy, been going back and forth. I think you're more on the Don side. Viggs, I'm not really sure where you are on this, but uh, personally, I uh, I just think it, it's just not necessary. But And I think it is kind of the Big Ten trying to flex their muscles a bit. Uh, Hammy, yeah, I'm guessing you don't feel that way. Well, I mean, the, the thing that I – well, here's what I say, okay. All these college coaches, I don't care if you're at a smaller program in the middle of Minnesota or somewhere out east or wherever, a smaller program or you're one of the big big-time, you know, all D1, you know, programs um, like Minnesota or these other Big Ten schools, where you're always going to advocate for whatever is advantageous for your individual situation, Okay. And I, I get tired of the whining, especially from some of these small school fans that somehow act like their coaches or their programs, they make decisions based on altruistic reasons and what's great for college hockey on the whole, like it's kumbaya thing. And it's like, I'm sorry, but you have your head up your ass if you think that your coach is advocating for something that isn't advantageous for his situation. They all do it, okay? And so when these people rip on a Don Lucia or a Red Berenson or whoever that kind of is advocating for a certain thing that maybe the small schools don't like. It's like, well, your schools are going to do the exact same thing. They want the gentleman's agreement, for instance, at small schools because it covers their ass because they don't want a Michigan or a BC to come along and say, hey, that kid kind of blew up a little bit more than I thought he would. I'd kind of like to make an offer to him now for a 90% scholarship and rip that kid out of that program, you know, that small school program. It's like they're trying to cover their ass because that's what helps them. I mean, they all advocate for what works for their program. And so I'm just saying, like, I I'm not blaming a Don Lucia or any of these other coaches for thinking, like, maybe this will help us. You know, maybe this is something that we should look into. Maybe there's a little bit of altruistic reasoning in it, but I'm not here to be naive and say that they're not doing it because it helps them. But that's the way they all are, and I think that that's what fans need to get their head out of their ass about. <laughs> okay, Viggs, let's hear what you think. Well, I just think that 
Don Lucia is trying to find ways to fix college hockey. He went before the Minnesota High School Coaches Association earlier this year and said recruiting's broken and he needs their help. And I tried to get in a conversation with him about this a couple of weeks ago, and, and he said, you know, I can't change anything. I don't have a magic wand. <clears throat> and, well, he doesn't have a magic wand on this one either. Even though the Big Ten may think it's it's better for college hockey to make kids get into a college by age 20 um, and leave those spots for younger players coming up through the USHL, the NAHL, to develop and, and get into college hockey programs. You know, he's trying to figure out ways to do this. And I think a lot of people are being self-serving by saying that Don Lucia is just protecting himself at Minnesota because they're playing older kids. This wouldn't have applied to Union anyway in that that final. They only had kids who were 24. You know, I think this is trying to look at what makes college hockey college hockey. Well, that's also Pat Royce trying to stir the bucket, dude. I mean, well, there's a lot of people who are who are jumping onto that idea and that fuel. Um, yeah. But I think Don Lucia five years ago said he didn't want any players signing uh, or committing verbally until their senior year of high school. You know, we've we've just gotten in the stage of college recruiting where kids are recruiting when they're you know when they're bantams because they got to beat major junior to to lock them up for college. It's just kind of ridiculous. And the one thing that's happened to the Don, it's, it's kind of bitten him in the ass quite a few times, too. Well, I think this With is recruiting kids so young because, you know, they get here and then, then they don't do anything. And everyone's like, oh, you're a terrible recruiter, blah, blah, blah. So. Well, and then, you know, if he, if he doesn't get them, you know, everybody's upset that they signed with North Dakota or Wisconsin <laughs> or UMD. You know, you can't win in that case. But what the really bad thing is when Lucia has a scholarship for a kid, and says, well, you know, I don't have a spot for you because these guys actually decided to stick around. You know, what's the kid going to do then? Stuck for another year in junior or, you know, look for another school? You know, that's a hard, hard fit for it too. Well, and you have to remember something, and I think this is something that a lot of fans all over forget about, is that we are talking about people. We're talking about kids. We're talking about, you know, they have, when they graduate high school, all their friends going off to college, Right. Right, right out of the gate, they're all going to college, and now we're asking these guys, okay, you're, you know, educational wise, you got to push that off a year or two here because we're not ready to bring you in. We want you to be because we see these other teams that are bringing in guys that are twenty and twenty-one years old, and you might be more physically talented, you know, in terms of skill set than those guys, but they're like got 20, 30 pounds on you and they're more mature and whatever. So we got to push you off further because we don't want to limit that advantage that they have. And it's like, it's continually pushing guys further and further their education out. And it's like, people forget that these kids don't want to sit in junior hockey for a year or two later than their, you know, and see their friends in their junior year of college while they're starting their freshman year. I mean, that's not what they want, but they have to do it because they feel like that's a part of the whole big process of the world. And it's like coaches like Walt Kyle, they talk about like these kids. They're like kids. And it's like, dude, they're 20 and 21. They're not kids. You've pushed them out because you want a competitive advantage just like any of the other coaches. And I get that. I'm not blaming them. But then don't act like somehow you're not benefiting from the situation. And why should another coach that doesn't want you know, wants it more representative college as a, as a whole doesn't agree with your concept. It's like, I don't know. I I get why they all want their things, but it's like, I'm not going to rip on any individuals for trying to change it to a certain way because it helps them or hinders them or whatever. Now, what about, uh, you know, you get a lot of schools saying they want nothing to do with this rule, Hammy. I mean, mean, hold hold on. You got somebody like, you know, the, the NCHC is saying that, they voted eight zero against this rule, and that uh, whatever Minnesota and the Big Ten is doing is that they're not listening to college hockey or what college hockey wants. I'm just this is just what's out there today. So I could see why some of these people are a little angry because they see it. I mean, their point of view is saying Big Brother is taking control again. Okay, but here's the no, thing. I, I, I totally get your point, but I'm just coming from what people are saying. And it's not like that's wrong. It may be what they are doing. All right. Well, like I said, I don't blame people for making arguments that are going to be beneficial for their viewpoint. I I get that part of it. 
But here's where I find it all kind of hypocritical. It's like, remember the the NCHC, that was pretty much a North Dakota-driven thing. And why did North Dakota want that? Because they saw what was going on with the Big Ten, and they feared, like, I don't want to get left behind. And so I want to find like-minded institutions that want to invest in their programs and are thinking bigger than some of these other small schools like in the WCHA or the CCH. It's like we don't want to be held back by these smaller schools. We want to be able to grow and be more kind of have that same competitive advantage we've always had. And and the thing is, is like they are going to do things that are going to help their situation. And it's no different for these big schools like the Gophers or, or Wisconsin. They want – situations they don't want to be held back by smaller schools they want to like make the most of whatever advantages they have and if like most of college hockey are these small schools that maybe have one d1 sport and it is hockey they're going to obviously think about things much differently than all d1 school and it's like everybody's got to think about this kind of stuff St. Cloud UMD, they hated the NCHC idea when they weren't going to be invited oh that's true and then all of a sudden it's like Oh, we got an invite now. Oh, we're a great, all on board, wonderful. We're a big, happy family now. It's like everybody is going to look for whatever's going to be beneficial to their individual situation. And sometimes they're going to complain about it. And then when the shoe's on the other foot, it's like, oh, well, now I like it. I guarantee you take a coach at like St. Cloud or Mankato or whatever, put them behind the bench at Wisconsin. I guarantee you their freaking attitude about this whole situation would change in a heartbeat. You do the same thing for a coach at take Don Lucia, put him at Bemidji. You think that his attitude wouldn't change? I mean, of course. They're all looking out for themselves. So let's get our heads out of our asses and quit acting like it's altruistic for some schools and it's not for others, okay? They're all in it for themselves. Well, then how about North Dakota? Because North Dakota would probably be actually in the same situation as Minnesota. Well, I mean, you could – I mean, why would they – they, they, they would – they would should, – should just – Excuse me. They should support this type of rule because they're usually just as young as Minnesota. Well, are they, though? I mean, they do tend to recruit a little older at times. I mean, they're not like as bad as they used to be, but certainly. And I would also point out this is that sometimes it's like anything in politics. You're going to sometimes, you know, what's going to be a winning and a losing battle for you. And sometimes you're going to make a vote based on appearances sake versus really how you feel. You know what I'm saying? It's like. Things are going to be the way they are, whether North Dakota votes for it or against it, because ultimately this is something that's being pushed by the Big Ten. Are they really going to have a seat at the table at the end of the day with NCAA stuff like this? It's a Big Ten thing. I mean, that's what people are upset about, is that it's more being pushed by the Big Ten, who has a seat at the table in these NCAA situations, whereas these other you know, these other conferences, other schools really don't have that same kind of pull. Oh, that's definitely the problem here. I mean, they're, all these people are pissed because they don't have a seat at the table. They want well, a seat at the table. They obviously, they, they just don't have that opportunity. So, and that's why they're all lashing out. I mean, they're all pissed because they're all of a sudden like, Hey, wait a minute, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're not, we're not getting a say in this. So obviously they're going to lash out and that's just, I, I don't know. Uh, they're going to have to say something like this, say that, you know, nobody supports it. And it's just the big, big schools trying to, you know, take more away from us because that's all they can say. Because like you said, it's in their best interest to do that. So, well, I don't know. I think it's a little fishy, um, but you know, well, I, think I, I don't to, care either way. <laughs> well, you also have to look at how big of an effect is this really going to have? Okay. I, Probably of, very little, if none. I mean, I haven't seen the numbers, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if this was a pretty small percentage of players that would actually even be affected by it, number one. I mean, I don't know the exact numbers. I didn't look at that. I didn't have the time for that. But I, I would be surprised if it was a very large percentage of players when you compare to the overall population of college hockey players. And they're not eliminating these players from playing college hockey. All they're doing is saying if you start – after a certain point, you get, you know, one year eliminated from your eligibility. It's like, I don't see that as being a huge problem. I mean, do we really need 25-year-old players in college hockey? Is that really necessary? Is it really going to help the sport at all? I mean, I remember when Chris Winkie was playing for freaking Florida State as a college football player, and he started as a freshman at 20 freaking six years old and won the Heisman at 28. 
Is that really what we want like college sports to be? <laughs> Seriously? I mean, why is it? I just think it's stupid. It's like college hockey is not unique. We do not need 22-year-old, 23-year-old, 24. We don't need that for guys that are in our underclassmen. We just don't. It, we I have plenty of players to, from 18, 19 years up that can start college and be effective players. Now, is it going to be you know, as great as some kid who's 21 coming out? I mean, I can't say that, but I don't know that's going to be that noticeably different for the sport. But I just think it's stupid that we have this concept that somehow we have to have these older players in order for college hockey to thrive. Like there's not good players at 18 or 19 that could populate different rosters. It just it, To me, it's stupid. Well, well here's... Here's what I'm thinking is actually going to happen. I'm thinking all the negative press from this, because the press is definitely jumping on the small school bandwagon, along with, uh, you know, did you hear Lou Nanny this afternoon, you guys? I did not. I, I saw some comments on GPL Lou, about Lou, stuff. But. Lou thought it was ridiculous. Um, I'm thinking with a lot of the negative press coming out, Lou Nanny coming out against it, you know, um, it's not like we heard about this until this article came out. I'm thinking this is going to go away, and it's not going to happen either way. Vigs. Part, part of me starts to wonder about this, though. Is this the Big Ten's way of starting to get some clarity among NCAA hockey franchises in how to make rules? Because, you know, with the NHL, every time they want to try to figure out how to increase scoring, they talk about, making the nets bigger oh, and then God, all the goalies and all the all the legacy players like no 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 we'll, we'll wear smaller equipment don't change the nets you know maybe this is one of those examples of you know they show this uh, uh ace card and and see see what the rest of the table feels because i think there's a lot of other problems facing college jockey that are more damning than you know how old the kid is when he steps on campus as a freshman i think when you have 13, 14, 15-year-olds committing their future, you know, three, four years away from when they're actually going to be there, that's a bigger problem. Or sometimes even later because, like you said, some of them are not coming in until they're 19 or 20 or whatever it may be. Yeah. So. Yeah, they, they, I mean, four years ago, kids didn't know that the Gophers were going to be in the Big Ten. You know, they didn't know about the facilities that were going to be coming. You know, there's a lot of issues. Who knows what, if Donald Chu is going to be coaching in four years? <laughs> you know, I <laughs> I think he's getting kind of bored with the whole situation. But I, I don't know. I just think there's going to be enough negative stuff out there that uh, I think this this little proposal will either go away or uh, well, I, I think it'll go away. But maybe it is uh, a power push for the Big Ten. Who knows? I I don't know. Did you stop engaging and the drunk argument, hockey guy? No, I argument that it's going to kill hockey is a little ridiculous. I mean, you know, <laughs> these kids are going to be coming to college campuses when they're 20. There's plenty of other spots for kids under 20 to uh, to pick the USHL. Well, and that's the thing I think people are, uh, you know, like drunk hockey are, are misunderstanding is that, first of all, the USHL is a lot younger now than what it was five, ten years ago, this is some of the changes that were made. It's Oh, yeah. And Much it's, younger. Well, I mean, it is. I mean, they back in the day, it was almost exclusively guys that have, that were already graduated. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you see a lot more high school kids playing in the USHL. They've intentionally gone that route because of the Tier 1 status that they have and everything. So they've gone younger. Now, I mean, some of these other programs or other leagues you know i haven't looked as closely at as far as their rosters but i know there's a lot of young guys in the nhl too so i i kind of feel like there's a a view that somehow this is going to kill juniors it's like well not really because a lot of these leagues are already playing kids that are that are not 18 years you know they're under 18 it's like and i don't know that that's really going to significantly change you know they talk about is it going to kill high school hockey that's like well if you don't have to feel like you're at a disadvantage maturity wise, okay, then maybe it actually helps in a sense high school hockey because you're not necessarily feeling like obligated to go off and play against guys that are, you know, two, three years older than you because they're not going to have as big of a maturity advantage. Like if you're not bringing in 21 year old freshmen every year at these different schools, then you suddenly don't feel like obligated to necessarily push guys off further because they need more time. It, it remains to be seen, but I think it's a little bit knee-jerk to think like it's going to kill junior hockey or high school hockey. 
I think it might be just uh, the Big Ten testing out the waters. Just, well, just mean, trying sure to just trying this thing that you know might look like it, and uh, I think they might, I think they are trying to test out the waters here. Now that I think about it more, because you think about the way the NHL used to be. The NHL used to allow you know drafting of kids that were in tenth grade. I mean, they were going after kids. I remember when I was just out of high school that you know half of those Jefferson kids were like drafted when they were uh, sophomores and juniors in high school. Obviously, the NHL kind of came back and said, hey, let's change the rules here. They changed the age rules. Um, Don would love to have something like that. Well, I can't say I remember guys getting drafted that young. I mean, oh, I remember Crowley, not was dra- the- Crowley was drafted as a sophomore to Philadelphia. I'm, a lot of those kids were drafted because the rules were different. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I I can't vouch for it. Was a long time ago, obviously. I, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't. <laughs> didn't follow the draft that closely back then. But um, you know, the thing is, is that I just I feel like, um, you know, there, I mean, it's a, it's a hot button because mainly because you know the big schools in college hockey are are in the minority in terms of number, and, and so they they're going to have the clout financially. They're going to have the clout in terms of you know being able to kind of have some NCAA pull. But nonetheless, it's like they are in the minority in terms of numbers, you know, for college hockey. And so it's like it's kind of like I said with the North Dakota example earlier. They didn't want to be held back by what they considered to be smaller programs that didn't want to invest or weren't keeping up with the Joneses. And they wanted to keep their status in college hockey as being one of the elite. And they felt like they had to find other teams that kind of had that same mentality. And it's like these big schools at Big Ten programs they feel probably the same way that, hey, you know, we have certain things that we expect and we don't want to be held back by certain rules that are are being put in place by the majority of these small schools that are going to have their own best interests in mind, but not our, not ours. So I get why everybody does what they do, but it's like don't complain when people try to pull the levers to help their situation. Don't whine about it because your team would do the same thing. Vigo, final word on the topic. Well, I definitely think the party line thing played here. You know, you're not going to see too many Republicans going out there saying they want to raise taxes on the rich. You know, <laughs> that's not going to happen. So I think all these schools. No just, politics, you know, damn it. <laughs> yeah, they're all on board keeping the party lines. And I, I hope this maybe opens up some sort of national discussion among coaches about what things can they agree on. You know, what things can improve college hockey? What what can improve the experience? Now, they've had so many top prospects who come in their freshman year and bolt for major junior. Is it because they're bolting for an easier game against younger kids? Is it because they're bolting for more games? Is it because they're bolting for, for better amenities? You know, college hockey's got a problem with that. You know, there's so many players leaving the college game who are the elite talents. Um, and I think that's a big issue facing college hockey, much like the, the 13, 14-year-old commits. Well, I mean, I don't see – see, the problem is, is that these coaches are not going to get on board with one. I mean, there's always going to be differences based on what we've been talking about, you know, in terms of what's going to protect your little kingdom from other schools. And, small and that's schools, why I see this could be just the beginning of a power play. Well, I Just testing I the water, seeing what they can get through. Well, and I agree because, you know, it's like the whole gentleman's agreement thing. It's like that's only that's mainly protecting smaller schools. I mean, that's not doing anything really for bigger schools. They don't give a damn if it's their place or not. They, they, they don't want it. And so they want to treat college hockey like college football and college basketball, which is basically you recruit the player until they sign their letter of intent. Otherwise, you know, it's open game until they sign their LOI and it's like, you know, and to me, that's the way it should be personally, because I'm just used to seeing that from B- big D1 sports in general. Like you just keep recruiting them. Um, but these small schools, they want to protect their own ass and I don't blame them. But then it's kind of like, you know, you can't complain then when these big schools want to do things that are advantageous for them. So um, I, I just think the whining gets out of hand because people get all up in arms about their little situation being threatened. And I get it, but. Um, you got to pull the levers that are going to work for you. It's pretty obvious, you know, how people are going to respond on this. 
It's the, the Duluth fans that want to protect the small schools. Um, the Big Ten haters are going to hate anything that happens with the Big Ten. And, you know, that's the way it's going to be. Well, I think I've had enough of this topic for now. Well, it is, it is entertaining. <laughs> I mean, it's entertaining. I, I was actually yeah. thinking about it today. I was like, I'm kind of glad it got brought up today because I knew we'd talk about it tonight. And it's, yeah. It's, it, it is an interesting topic, you know. I think, it, you know, the more I think about it, I, I am thinking this is some sort of just power play just to see what they can get through and what kind of changes they can get done. Um, obviously, if, you know, with all the people going against this, if they can still get it through, um, that might be just the beginning. Well, what I'm confused about, I mean, I, I don't admit to knowing a lot about how these kinds of things go through the process, but it's like I'm assuming that they don't let the Big Ten schools are really the only ones that can make that kind of a pitch or make that kind of a argument. I mean, is there really going to be any ability of these other schools to really say anything to give their opinion? I mean, it sounds to me from what I've read that article that really they're powerless. The only opinion that they really have is if they go to the coaches convention make their opinions known and then that's that, but they don't really have a seat at the table when it comes to actually, you know, putting forth something to the NCAA, that that's something that only the all D one schools can do. You know what I mean? If, if, if that's what the, the case, and I admit, I don't know for sure if that is, it doesn't really matter what these small schools think. It's still going to be up to what this, the NCAA administration thinks and what the big 10 schools put forth through it for an argument. Wouldn't, isn't that the case? I don't know. I don't know. I, that's why I think it's going to be interesting. And we'll know around April. Looks like they're going to try to push us through in April of 2016. So we'll just have to wait and see. I don't know, guys. Um, if you have any questions for us, just uh, tweet us. Use the hashtag GPL podcast. You know, we'll try to get to your, some of your questions if you want to get them through. Before we get to any of that, uh, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Vintage Minnesota Hockey wants you to take a step back in time and keep the memories of Minnesota hockey heritage alive forever. VintageMNHockey.com features history from around the entire state of Minnesota. One feature that I enjoy on a daily basis is the This Day in Minnesota Hockey History that is on their website. They have tons of info on what's happening on any particular day in Minnesota hockey history. One thing as a listener that you may be interested in is the store at Vintage Minnesota Hockey. They offer all kinds of custom throwbacks from Minnesota hockey and local college teams. And as a GPL podcast listener, you just need to enter the promo code GPL podcast, one word, all lowercase, to get a 10% discount on any order. So visit Vintage Minnesota Hockey at VintageMNHockey.com. Question from one of the Twitter followers. Tim Hapke wants to know, does Lou Nanny not like Lucia? I don't know. You'd have to ask him that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, cause you know, I think this is probably, he was probably listening to the radio today and, and, uh, you know, uh, Nanny was kind of going off how he did not support, you know, the forming of the big 10 league. And he was also saying that he does not support this new rule and Minnesota trying to push it through. Um, maybe that's kind of where Tim's getting it from. Uh, you probably have you heard anything in any back channels? I have never heard anything. Well, I mean, I don't think. Look, I mean, I think there was a little bit of negativity after you know Louie Nanny didn't exactly end up at the U, <laughs> and then you have you know his younger brother didn't end up at the U. I mean, Vinny ended up at the U, but you know, I think there is a little bit of that kind of. Uh, um, there's a little bit of that, I think, some of that pride that maybe gets a little bit stung by, you know, he, I'm not, I'm sure he would never probably admit it, but I've heard that, you know, that that was a little bit of a, a disappointment for him. So I'm sure that there's a little bit of that going on. Um, what what has I mean, Louis, I, what has the little Louis, Louis nanny done? I, I'll be honest with you, I haven't paid a lick of attention <laughs> I, to. I haven't either. Um, Vigo, do you know anything? No, I haven't heard anything. I know he got injured last year. Uh, see, see, I, I don't think we're missing out out on him. But uh, although he's got eight points this year in thirteen games, okay, well, there you go. Well, I mean, I just think, look, I, I don't know. I re- obviously I respect Louis Nanny, but you know, but I, I feel like, um, I don't know. Sometimes it, it's, I start to feel like he's starting to get a little bit of that Sid Hartman syndrome in him, where he, just because he's been around forever, yeah. Like, uh, his, like his opinion is suddenly going to be 
more valid or, or there's going to be more weight behind it just because he's been around a long time, you know, whether it's an actually a good opinion or not. And um, so I, I have to admit that I don't always agree with some of the things that he says, you know, not that I disrespect the guy, obviously, but I just think that you can't automatically assume that just because he's been around a while and because he talks on the radio with Barrero once a week or whatever, <laughs> like suddenly like he's going to be the authority on everything that's good or bad about college hockey. Hammy. It hasn't been officially announced yet, but it looks like Mr. Hoagland left the team this past week. I don't know when he left. I, I can't vouch for that. I mean, I, I just had heard, um, you know, that he had left, you know, that he was going to be leaving the team. He's no longer on the official roster at the no, website. Yeah, it, it's yeah. official. He's he's left. Okay. Well, well they never I, I, they never announced anything though. Well, did, did they? Well. I know officially that he left. Well, yeah, but what I'm saying is that usually you get some kind of official announcement coming from the U saying, hey, this person has decided to move on, blah, blah, blah. Nothing ever happened. No news from the U. Obviously, it wasn't in any papers because it was not official. Um, Tim Hapke was actually asking Hammy, why are people getting so worked up about the loss of Hoagland? And I don't know. I kind of ignored all that crap on GPL. I just... I, I, I he was really he never did anything so I can't get worked up about him but I do think it's a little strange that uh, some pe- anybody would get worked up about it. Well, I mean, I like I said, I had heard about it a few weeks ago. I wasn't sure about it, and I talked to somebody um, that told me that yeah, he was leaving at um, after the midway point. I, I don't know why people are up in arms. I I, I think a part of it's just that people have this perspective that, hey, you start the year with your team, you end the year with your team. You know, they kind of yeah. – you kind of what you're taught by your parents. You know, hey, if you start something, you finish it, you know. And, there, and you uh, know what? Uh, that's a good point. I mean – And so I get that yep, mentality. Yep. At the same time, I also say to myself, okay, if he's planning on transferring, he's going to want to play as soon as he can at wherever he would transfer to. Yep. And so, you know, kind of like we saw with uh, – Cephas, you know, a few years ago where he, you know, basically transferred midway through the season so he could play um, at the halfway point of the following year. You know, I, I get that. And I but I mean, obviously, you know, Hoagland wasn't playing. I don't it's not a huge loss in terms of anything from a, you know, a big picture standpoint. I, I understand why people feel like, hey, stick it out or whatever. I get that. But I also can understand from his point of view, it's pretty tough to go to practice all the time and go through all that kind of stuff and knowing that you're probably not going to see the ice anytime soon. I mean, that's got to be pretty tough. And so um, I get it from both sides, you know, but I don't really see why in this instance people should be too upset about it. Viggs, another question from uh, Twitter. Eric Raymond wants to know, obviously the Gophers' performance is worse, but is the Big Ten's non-conference performance overall worse than last year? I think you know, he's, just, I don't, he's just saying, you know, you know, obviously non-conference was bad last year. Is it worse this year? It doesn't feel like it's quite as bad. I don't think there's any dominant teams in the Big Ten right now that are going to be in the top five getting number one seeds. But I don't think they're as bad this year as they are last year. I mean, you look at Wisconsin, um, Ohio State, Penn State, and I think all three of those teams are better than they were last year. Wisconsin's um, definitely better. They're not the dregs like they were last year. There was yes. nowhere to go but up. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> true. And and Michigan did split out at BU this past weekend. Right. So I I think the overall, you know, there's no top teams right now. Yep. But, it, yep. but I think they're better overall than they were last year. All right. Well, we'll always take your questions. I'll even see them throughout the week. If you ever have a question you want us to talk about on the podcast, just use the hashtag GPL podcast. We'll see it and we'll try to talk about it. You know, we'll do our yeah. best. Well, and, you know, the other thing about the Big Ten is that, uh, you know, I, I think that we're just seeing that there's some teams that were kind of caught at a bad time when all these changes happened. I mean, obviously, Wisconsin being a big one. I mean, they had the one first year, but, I mean, they got caught at a bad time. It's all cyclical in these things. I would kind of like to see if, if it was possible. I don't know if it is all at all possible for them to kind of have the same kind of schedule, kind of like the, the Gophers had in the WCHA in the sense that, you don't have all your non-conference right out of the gate because to me with the the pairwise the way it is i mean the non-conference is really important and if 
you know, it'd be kind of nice to be able to play some of your conference games and intermingle that with some non-conference and not have everything so just definitively before and after. I'd kind of like to see it spread out. So, but I don't know. I guess that that's just how they do things in the Big Ten. They just want things all in one bunch, like well, it the, is in well, basketball. They just don't have enough teams. Well, I'm just talking. I about, mean, if yeah, you I, had if you had two more teams, you'd have you know four more weekends of hockey. Well, and then you have what? What was somebody saying? Nanny was saying on the radio today about adding two teams, or he advocated for what Duluth and North Dakota. Probably, or, yeah. I, that's uh, not you know, happen. I mean, at the, once again, I just feel like sometimes Nanny just talks out of his <laughs> ass. I mean, I, you know, like just because he says it, it means it's valid. A valid. It's thing, never going to happen. Just not going to happen. What can you do? Well, the Gophers do have an old rivalry coming to, to Mariucci this weekend. Uh, St. Cloud State, home, or actually not a home and home, uh, kind of different from past years, uh, only at Mariucci this weekend on a Friday-Sunday series. Both games at 6 p.m. Make sure you know, note that. Um, both games on Fox Sports North, blah, blah, blah. Viggs, St. Cloud's doing fairly well this year. Yeah, they've, they've played well. Don Lucia has said that this is the best team Minnesota's played to date. Um, they've got a really strong goaltender in Charlie Lindgren. Um, they've got some scoring up front and some good defensemen. Um, I know Casilla is a, is a fun player to watch. Um, I think you know they're definitely a team that can get in transition and give the Gophers problems. And I think when we've seen Minnesota play poorly this year, it's because they've been turning the puck over. And uh, Shearhorn's played really well on the odd man rushes and all the breakaways that he's seen. But I think uh, if Minnesota starts doing that with St. Cloud, they're going to be in trouble. Usually it's a little bit of race hockey, uh, race horse hockey, Hammy. Which is fun. Usually it is, but I don't think the Gophers are going to go into this series with that mentality. I mean, especially after listening to Lucia. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that they realize that um, this is one of those years that um, depth wise, you know, because of the youth on the team, um, and, and because we've had so many guys kind of taking over roles that a lot of the veterans had in key spots last year that, um, you know, weren't just not really ready and prepared for that kind of a racehorse style that we typically play most seasons. I think it's going to be more of a, let's try to be a little bit more conservative, make sure we got our back end covered, make sure that we're playing good defense, um, you know, they're not going to really get into that style because, you know, St. Cloud's got a lot of veteran talent, especially up front. Um, and, and so th- they're probably more geared for that style at this point than we are. And so I don't really see that being our mentality going into the series. I really expect it to be more, um, let's play really good defense and, um, you know, trying to limit the turnovers and not create any odd man opportunities for them. So I, I, I ex- actually expect maybe a little bit of a cons- more conservative game plan this week. Well, I don't know. I just, uh, I know it won't be like playing Wisconsin. There will, there will be offense, even though if we're trying to play defense, that's great. But I think Minnesota will have their chances, uh, on the offensive end. Well, I think you get in these games with rivals like St. Cloud and the players just get so excited they can't help themselves. You know, they <laughs> they want to try to create offense. I think you know a lot of 18, 19, 20-year-old kids don't come to the rink thinking, oh, I'm going to play great defense tonight. It's, it's no, I want to create offense. I want to score goals. I want to you know jump into the glass. So it's it's kind of balancing that, that feeling with playing a smart hockey game because I don't think Minnesota is going to put up five on Charlie Lindgren this weekend. You know, I did find it. I did find it interesting listening to Lucia on the radio um, that he actually acknowledged that these series with like a, a Saint Cloud or a Duluth or whatever that they just have an element missing because it's not league play anymore. I mean, I had never yep. really heard him acknowledge. I mean, I think as fans, we all knew that that was going to be that things were the rivalry aspect was going to dissipate to some extent because of the differences in conferences and whatever. But it was interesting to finally hear the head coach kind of it finally admit to that. I had never personally heard him say that before, you know, at least not publicly. I haven't heard anything like him acknowledge that. And um, it was kind of interesting to hear him acknowledge that, that there's something, there is an element of that missing now that used to be there in the past. So that was kind of, it was interesting to hear him say that. Well, you know the Don is still a traditionalist. 
he he would most definitely would have preferred to keep hockey the way it was. Keep the WCHA all intact, CCHA. He didn't want anything to do with this uh, Big Ten crap. You know he didn't. But when he saw it as a reality, he just kind of went along with it. But I think uh, he misses those old, you know, WCHA games that meant something, not these worthless non-conference weekends. Well, I think part of it is you only see these teams once a year, maybe twice if they see them in the, the North Star Cup. Whereas, you know, when you play Michigan and Michael Downing starts taking runs at players' heads and gets thrown out of the game, you know, they're going to see him again in another series, and they're going to see him in the conference tournament. So, you know, for players, when you're not playing the same guys multiple times a year, it's just hard to get up for it because you don't have a history with them. You know, and I, I the other thing, you know, touching on Lucia being old school, I mean, it kind of goes back to the discussion we were having earlier. I mean, if it were up to him – Everything would be probably be similar to what it was like twenty years ago, where you know you're like we talked about you're mm-hmm. recruiting kids that are like you know at their senior year of school and um, you know things of that nature. And I mean, he doesn't like the fifteen year. I mean, he he does it. I mean, obviously he does it for various reasons, but he doesn't want to recruit fifteen and sixteen year olds if he doesn't have to, but he feels like he has to. He also obviously wouldn't want the changes that have happened with. The WCH and I think that's what a lot of these fans, you know, from elsewhere don't really realize is that it's not like Minnesota was at the forefront of all these changes. You know, what I mean, we were perfectly fine with the way things were. I mean, everything on one network and everything kind of just lined up great and the fans were into it every week. We didn't have to build new rivalries or anything. I mean, it's not like the Gophers really truly wanted the Big Ten changes. They were fine with the way things were. This was more you know, kind of just having to, I mean, we know where our bread's buttered and it's the big 10. I mean, that's, we're getting 30 plus million just on the, the big Ten network alone. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're not going to piss that away just because hockey exactly. doesn't like some changes. You know I mean? People need to realize that's the reality of the situation. So and it, yeah, it has nothing to do with hockey. If it was hockey, Minnesota would have stayed right where they were. It's all about the mighty dollar. And, uh, that's basically uh, all. I mean, well, that, you can't blame makes, them either, though. You no, can't you can't. But uh, I mean, in a hockey sense, you know, Minnesota wanted nothing to do with it. But right, um, it's, it's, just, it, well, it's you, just reality now. So it's kind of like taking one. It's like when you're out with your buddy. All right, he gets the hot <laughs> girl sometimes, and you have to take the ugly one because he's a friend, right? <laughs> so you take one for the team. So Gopher hockey was taking one for the team in this situation for football and basketball and all the other sports. Yeah, you know, that's kind of the way it, it is. Though. Well, maybe um, in the hockey side of things, financially maybe not, but in the hockey side of things, they're definitely paying for it. You know? Well, a forty-eight think, million dollar check every year makes that a lot easier. Well, of course it does. And we have to remember, and I've said this before, conference stuff is always cyclical. I mean, there's going to be a point where the Big Ten is going to be as a conference. It's going to be pretty good. Now, I don't know when that's going to happen. It's going to be a year, two years, or whatever. It's hard to say right now, but. Um, it's not going to stay as is with, I mean, conference strength. We saw it with the WCHA. They weren't always the best conference. It used to be hockey East some years, maybe it was CCHA here or there. I mean, it comes and goes. And so people just need to relax when it comes to <laughs> comparing the whole conference stuff. That's just, that'll work itself out. Um, you know, looking around the rest of college hockey, uh, did Colorado college make the wrong decision to go to the NCHC? Or uh, or or maybe uh, yeah. On another foot, should they uh, stick it to Denver and try to hire Guazdecki? Because whatever they're doing now, and they're just in bad shape. And this is a traditional program. Yeah, it's kind of looking almost like it did. You know, back right pre Lucia. Yeah, right before Lucia took over, they were in some deep caca back then, and then he took over and turned things around and. Um, it, it's looking rather ugly out there. And I mean, I can't say that I've followed them very close. I mean, who wants to watch an Owen 12 team, you know, but I mean, um, higher guas, higher guas. It is kind of sad when you consider that some of the best series that the Gophers had, you know, in the last 20 years were some of those games against CC where they were like really skilled. Oh oh, yeah. You know, the Santas of the world or, you know, some of those Swanson. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they had some really good players, and it's like to see where they're at now, it's it's kind of sad. And it's kind of like I was saying before all these changes happened that, 
you're not going to have a conference. I don't care which conference it is. That's going to be all winning teams. Yeah. You know, there's going to be some, there's always going to be haves and have nots and, and any conference setup. And what we're seeing is that there, you know, it looks like CC is going to be one of the have nots in that league, you know, and, and there's going to be a few of those other teams that are used to, that were used to winning prior to this that are going to end up, I think a lot, a lot of years being have nots in that league. And it's kind of like, be careful what you wish for. You might get included in that league, but then you also might be the one that's in the crappy position. So (laughs) you guys got anything else for this week? Uh, Um, Lucia did make some comments on the recruiting class coming in. And I, I thought two interesting things that came out of that were that Lucia thought sealer, might leave after graduating this year and that Connor Riley also is going to graduate this year. So he wasn't sure if he'd be back for next season. You well, know, I think, I think for both of those guys, you know, unless they want to continue to play hockey, I think it's a good decision. I mean, they're not pro material. You've gotten your education. It's if you want to play hockey play, but otherwise I don't think it's a big deal. Well, see, <laughs> start your see life. Her- Sealer was drafted by the Wild, and they would lose his rights if he wanted to pull out yeah, after this year. And so he's I not going to play pros. I mean, well, I'm not saying he's going to be NHL guy, I'm, but I mean, you never know. I guess he's got some of the the uh, physicality and all that kind of stuff to maybe get there. But um, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I could see why both of them might leave. Um, you know, especially Sealer. I, I don't know about Riley. Just, I mean, I don't really see him having much of a future and in uh, any kind of pro hockey kind of an angle, maybe some minor league stuff, but nothing really enduring. So I don't know what's going to be important to him or not. And if he has interest in graduate school or anything like that, I guess it's hard to say. All right. I think we're good guys. Uh, remember you could follow Hammy at Hammy hockey on Twitter, Vigo at E Vigo on Twitter. We'll be back next week to recap the series with St. Cloud and preview the first Big Ten series of the year against Ohio State. Until then, thanks for listening.